You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Susan Mastrangelo. Susan, thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thank you. Hello. Susan, we're talking on October 14th, and it's 2021. Uh, We're going to talk about your show that's currently up, but also um, how has this last beer year been for your your studio uh, practice it's been a, been a strange year for for everyone and sometimes a very productive one or sometimes not how has it been for you well this last year it's been actually incredibly productive um, we moved we had to move upstate at the beginning of lockdown um, we have a house in Caskill so we moved up there and I worked I I my work had been um, using upholstery cord and fabric and paint on wood, uh, but then I started knitting at the beginning of COVID because I, uh, it's what I do when I get very tense and when I get very anxious. And I began knitting and knitting and knitting, and it was something that I had learned from my grandmother. So it made me feel comforted but at the same time, it, it made me feel that I was doing something with my hands. And I put it in my work, and uh, it took off from there. But we've been back. Um, we've been back for about the last five months, and um, my work is still – I'm still very productive. Um, You're back in Brooklyn. And it, back in Brooklyn, yes. Yeah, back in Brooklyn. And um, I have a show right now at 490 Atlantic, which is on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. And it has five of some of the pieces that I've, I've done this past year. Um, and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's work that I feel very good about. And um, I think that the COVID was actually good for me in terms of my art. It wasn't good on many other levels, but as far as creativity and producing, it was excellent. And I think it was just because I didn't have to go out. And um, the pressure in New York to go to openings and um, see other artists, and I was quite, I was quite content with not having that mm-hmm. pressure. So let's talk about um, those 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 paintings because this where you you said your your knitting which is interesting came came out of the the, the pandemic kind of uh, tension uh, found its way into your work which uh, which you've you've used things like that before but maybe not quite knitting how did that work its way in, into your work I began using it just in little in, increments. Um, and then I, I, it just became larger and larger, and I, I started to see the nets, well, the, the knitting as nets and, and catching the form, because my work is three-dimensional, although it's on a flat board, but um, it's sort of, it's a combination of doing sculpture for years and also painting, because my, my background is fundamentally in painting. And uh, I began to see the knitting as part of these nets that would, con- that would uh, connect the forms and the color and the fabric. And use- basically, I'm using all the materials I've used my whole life of being an artist. And, and, 
And I want to talk more about those materials, but some of this came out of your, your you did your, I know you did your MFA in Boston University and you had Philip Guston as a, as a teacher, which yeah. is kind of an extraordinary influence. And, uh, and I would imagine it must have been very, very formative in how you uh, are, are approaching uh, forums or, or, or no. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, I think Guston's, um, I mean, he was a very powerful figure, and <laughs> and there were only eight of us in the class. So every single month, he would come for about two or three days, and he would conduct some kind of forum, and then he would visit everybody's studios. But he would spend a long time. Um, he didn't really form. It was not something he really talked about. In fact, he didn't talk about formal parts of paintings. He talked about you, and he talked about where your work was coming from. And that's, and trusting your instincts, and that has never left. Um, I think it's, he was so powerful, and it was very hard to get his voice out of my mind. And every time I think it's out of my mind, I went to his show down in Chelsea, and it was just, the whole show was so, it was just so powerful, but I could hear his voice in my head. Um, you know, he would either say something like, marvelous, marvelous, or what am I looking at? What am I looking at? And then it would seem like a kind of a tender time to answer the question, where is it, where's the work coming from? Um, from from an art teacher, but uh, how did you answer that? Or yeah. How was it expected to be answered then? That, that that sounds like they're asking about motivations, but but of course that's not entirely it either, um, right? Well, what did that mean? Where is it coming from? And how did how would you answer that, or did you? Um, it was. I would say, where was the work coming from? That was something that was inexplainable in his mind. It, it, he looked at the painting and he knew if you were trusting your instincts and he knew if you were fundamentally or profoundly being honest with yourself. And if he asked you where the painting was coming from, it was a very tough answer, really. But I think that he would look at it and decide for himself, is this painting honest and, and true, and if it was, wasn't, he would talk about what was blocking you, and um, basically he would talk about you and your emotions and your feelings. That's, right, it's very interesting. That was a little hard. Yeah, I imagine yeah, it but was. That's, and, uh, I mean, when you, but when you look at his paintings, that's, he was a real formalist. He was an incredible formalist, but that's not something that he focused on. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's so interesting to talk about because, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it, it's left you with this, this sense of, of trusting yourself in what you're doing. And, and even that's the way you it. spoke about building the current works, the, the knitting that you did for you know, a different reason that then found its way into your work, um, you know, is, is also trusting how these elements can come together and yeah, and ultimately, you know how the how they'll look, but that sounds that sounds like it's trusting your instincts, right? That sounds like it's going with with very uh, direct emotions and and manifesting it somehow. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, certainly not all great art is, or not all art, period, is trusting your instincts. But I think that um, that was, he was a real proponent of that. You know, he felt like uh, people were sort of comprised of their feelings and instincts, and that's what you should really focus on, really getting there, really getting to the bottom of it. So, so let's um, talk was, about the work. He was so very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a powerful figure, one of those legendary kind of figures, right? Who is who is kind of <laughs> revered and and feared, I would imagine. Yes, yes, completely. At least I, I feared so him. Yeah, well, I think that's why they have people like that in MFA programs, you know. They they can be very influential and they can be terrifying, you know. Um, yeah. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the work in this show. Uh, what, are, what are the sizes of these works? And, of course, this is, yeah, they're sculptural, but these are also on canvases, altered canvases. Is that what's happening in the in this show? They're on rectangular wood panels. And... Um, I don't have the wood panels made. I get them from Dick Blick, but um, they're very sturdy. And it, it enables, by working on wood, it just it makes me feel like I'm working with sculpture. And it also enables me to use hot glue and glue. I use upholstery cord of all sizes. And so I draw out the, the, the paint, the composition with the upholstery cord. And it's... I, I mean, basically forms within a form, and they um, interact and they sort of overlap, and and then I um, and then I I use either a color or a piece of fabric or a piece of knitting, just somewhere on the composition, and then I go from there, and um, and then I and I just I work from that. And these final works, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, go on. But it's... I I mean, I I feel like um, they have to have form, I mean, physical form. I mean, that's... I was painting for a And the form that these have, yeah, of course, have a a great physicality to them. They they also feel like they're... um, I mean, some of the ones that I've seen online, because I haven't been to this show, that they have a kind of almost uh, nesting quality. One form kind of fits into the other. There seems to be almost, almost a flow like with rivers and land, that there's a, a, a quality yeah. to it that, that, that has tension in it, but it seems more it has, um, I don't know, a type of, a type of uh, you know, flow that happens uh, in terms of its composition. Yeah. That's, that's very physical and lovely, and, 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 and yeah, it reminds me of things like rivers or, or, or liquid flowing, uh, even if it's woven material that we're, we're talking about in, in paint. There's a, there's a surface to this which almost looks like a, like a map or, 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 or something like that. Interesting, yeah. Uh, people have said things like they look like maps or they allude to some kind of geographical um, presence, but... Um, I guess I, I, that's not in my mind, but whatever. I mean, some people have seen the work and they've said, oh, they remind me of figures. And that's, yeah, that's as soon as I, yeah, 
I mean, I, I don't think you could ever get far enough away from what you've done. I mean, for years I work with a figure in all different capacities. So if this if there are figures in here somewhere or limbs, I guess I guess there are, but <laughs> But that's not how you were thinking of it. You you were thinking of it in terms of forms and and intention or or, or in color. Yes, yes. Yes. It's basically different materials coming together, and I try to make them work as one. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the challenge, sort of like these disparate shapes and materials, and, and then they work as one. After uh, many tries, sometimes. Right. Well, so let's compare that and just discuss a little bit your monoprints because your monoprints, of course, are not sculptural. This is work on paper. You're you're working mm-hmm. with sometimes similar forms, but it's a but it's a very different approach, right? These are, I would imagine, a, yeah. little, a little quicker to come out. But you, you the the monoprints I've seen are, are a tremendous variety and. And in that case, you're, it, those are about form in a different way, right? How, how do you see those as different from the, the paintings, the constructions? Because it, it almost seems like those are working through all these kind of forms, though they're beautiful and seem to stand on their own. Thank you. Um, you know, it's funny with the monoprints. Um, I began doing the monoprints by cutting out templates. So a lot of those uh, shapes that you see are templates, and I do them in different layers. But a monoprint, a monotype—they're mostly monotypes. A monotype is just really once uh, you run it through the press, you you draw on a plate, you paint on a plate. But on that plate, I also use different shapes cut out from mylar, and they're inked up. And sometimes I'll run it through the press again twice. But I... Um, well, that's very interesting. I was wondering funny. what was happening there. I've, I've also made monoprints. So I was wondering what these kind of, these repeated holes and shapes. So, so that's an unusual yeah. technique. You're putting, you're putting mylar on the plate. and Oh, no, you're painting the mylar first or inking it, then laying it over the yeah. plate. And, you, and, and yeah, that's, that's, that's so interesting. Yeah. As well as other shapes, it looks like, of mylar you're using. that Then you peel off afterwards, obviously, and... In your left yes. but I love doing monoprints and it it sort of fast starts me I mean it it just it makes me go you know it just um, when I'm finished doing the monoprints it gives me a charge and I could get back into my studio if I feel blocked at all um, but I think I think also the forms and the shapes are are similar to my paintings but they're flat Obviously, the monoprints, um, but the shapes. Right. Are that's, yeah. That's what, that's what that's what I was thinking about. The shapes seem similar, but but of course we're coming at it in a very different way. And and yeah, and in in place of yeah. other of other things like knitting or materials, the the mask seems to be a little bit like that because it's 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 a shadow of something else on the surface that's hard to even discern initially, or it was for me. I you know. Yeah. How to? Yeah. You know, what, what's actually happening there? Um, yeah. So then, so then they are relating to the painting, or you're saying it almost. I mean, I know they're not studies for the painting, but working on modern prints, which is a faster process. Um, yes. Kind of gets you ready for for the for the studio. 
Yeah, it does. It inspires me. And um, there's a printing place that I go to right upstairs from me. My studio is in Brooklyn in this place called the Can Factory. And upstairs is um, somebody who runs Jungle Press. It's a printing it prints for artists, and I've gone up there on occasion and just spent the whole day printing, and uh, it it really gives me a charge. But that's <laughs> that's I'm, fantastic. I'm and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because I, you're basically, just, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to work fast and quickly, and... I don't have to think of materials, although I love materials, but I don't, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking about color and shape and how it works together and, and um, some kind of musical, <laughs> musical, how it musically fits, if that makes any yeah, sense. That's, that's, that's a nice way of putting it, how it musically fits, right. It's, I mean, the compositions that come together both physically and yeah, and and are they are they uh, in in harmony or disharmony the way music is? That is an interesting way to look at it, and it's exciting that you have that print shop right there because there aren't many in the city, and this isn't something anybody typically has in their studio. Right? You have it. I, I there's I Bob Blackburn's and EFA, and I guess a few others, but um, yeah, there's, it's, it's um, hard to Van, find one. It seems. It is. There's another printing place, Van Deb. Editions, and I've done prints with them too, and they're fantastic. And they're out in Long Island City. Um, and EFA Studio. I was in the EFA Studios when Bob Blackburn's press was there. Um, I just never, I just never partook in any any printing yeah. there. But yeah, I, I did some printing there when when Bob Blackburn was there, and he was a really wonderful guy. And and the, the studio itself, I don't know if it's like that where you are, also had a certain atmosphere. They're just artists making prints, but there was something kind of uh, generous about it. There weren't they weren't students there. There were people making their work, and and that kind of environment where artists are working together as opposed to this, you know, alone in a studio. Not that they're really collaborating in the studio, but just that exchange of people working around right. you and seeing other work is, was pretty, I don't know if that's the same thing in the, in the can factory as you're saying, but that's what seems special about those kind of print um, ateliers or, or. I know, I know. It's a great, it's a great thing. Um, I also did this workshop with Jungle Press in Provincetown and that I was, we were surrounded. I mean, there were about 10 people and it was just, it was wonderful. The energy and, um, I don't know if I could work like that all the time, but it's good to do it once in a while because you feed well, off congrats. each other. Right, right. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what it sounds like. And, and so the show you have up now, um, there are no monoprints in that show, correct? This is all um, no. paintings it's just, that are it's on painting. the panel. Yeah, yes. Yes. And, and how is Three that having paintings. a show? Are they, yeah, the, the link will be in here so people can hopefully attend it. Um, this is a first show out of the pandemic. People are just starting to show now. Does it, how does that feel? I mean, I imagine it's great, but it's, is, it, is it through a different lens? Is, is it something different because we are almost post-pandemic here and, and we're at least back to shows as opposed to no shows? Um, yeah. I know. How is that? That I know. Hmm. It's, uh, I think it's been a really slow start in New York, but I think um, things are picking up 
in a very but different um, this this gallery is is good because they have an outside and a back backyard that you could go out and have a drink so the opening was fun actually but I've been to openings in New York that I've just run in and run out um, because I people are still afraid um, right. and I, I think that but people are showing you're right people are showing and it's a nice feeling. It, it feels like things are coming alive a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a spring, a late spring kind of, yeah. It, it sure does feel that way. Um, I, I, I wish you well with the show, and, and, I, and thanks for talking to me about this. I wanted to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Um, I am reading Jack. <laughs> um, I'm a fan of Marilyn Robinson, and... Um, I've read her other books. I've read everything except for housekeeping. So this is the last book she's written, and um, I love her writing. And basically, it's it's based on. It's almost like a sequel to one of her books, Gilead, which is about this small town in Iowa, and this the son. It's based on the son, who you never really meet in Gilead because he's left and he's considered to be a delinquent and um, the father is a reverend and the mother has died and it's a very sort of slow moving very sort of sensitive he falls in love with an african-american woman in a graveyard and uh, the parents her parents are completely against it but the years are like late 50s not the late 50s, I'm sorry. Yeah, the late 50s, like still Jim Crow. Um, so it's very, it's moving and they fall in love and I haven't read the ending yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, save it. I'm glad you said that. Um, Susan, thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well with your show and thanks again for talking with me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.